Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Thank you for being here today. We're now in week three of a sermon series where we give you the chance to ask any question you want. So if you're watching right now on our live channel, if you're on Facebook or YouTube right there in the chat, if you hear something today and you have a question, why don't you go ahead and put that question in the chat and we're going to try to answer those live today. Just keep the questions related to the topic that we're talking about. So here's the topic. We're going to talk about God, government, and the gospel. And this all comes from a question that somebody sent in a few weeks ago. And basically, they're saying, in my life group, we're going deep with one another. We're really, really getting close. And the closer that we get, the more obvious it's becoming that me and somebody else don't agree politically. And this question wouldn't have been sent in if the person that I don't agree with or they don't agree with me are vocal about our politics. And here's the ultimate question we're going to try to answer today. How do you do this with somebody that you don't agree with politically, but they are a follower of Christ just like you are? And to give everybody kind of an overarching thought on what you're going to hear from pastors Chris and Troy today and me is don't let the government overtake the gospel in your personal life, in your family, and especially if you're connected to one of the life groups of Two Cities Church. And this all comes from the name of this church. It's not two cities on opposite sides of the Chattahoochee River in two different time zones in two different states. Actually, it's two cities that are much farther apart. It's the heavenly city and the here city the earthly city, and the eternal city that these two cities are named from. If you look on the screens at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we're supposed to be citizens living in two cities at the same time. And here's how the Bible describes it. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior. Would you say the word Savior out loud? We eagerly await a Savior from there, from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Bible is describing is we live here, but we belong there, and we're waiting for there while we're here. And these are the two cities that you live in, in Two Cities Church. This is the two cities that all Christians live in. And now I'm just going to jump right into the conversation. Hey, for all you, for y'all, this is going to start easy, and it's going to get harder from here. So, before we get into question number one... Um, Troy, Chris, you have been in ministry for years. You have been around pastors for decades. And 25 years ago, I didn't know a pastor. I could not name one pastor that was struggling with the political controversy in their church. Today, the tables have turned 180 degrees. Do you know any pastor who's not struggling with this conversation in their church? No. (laughs) No. I have talked to pastors all over America. I cannot name one pastor that isn't saying, I am so sick of this conversation that I can't take it anymore. Every pastor that I've met, every single one of them is saying, this is where I live and I'm sick of it. 
In fact, by the way, just for Two Cities Church, the research says that pastors are leaving the ministry in droves. They're doing it because of stress. And the number one stressor is political controversy outside the church that makes its way in the church. Here's what pastors are saying. If I don't say something, then people criticize me for not saying it. When I say something, they criticize me for what I said or how I said it or how often I said it. I can't win here. So question, uh, the, there, there's been a huge shift in the, in the church, basically in the last 25 years. And here's question number one right out of the gate. Is it okay to talk about politics in the church? Now, I'm going to field this question to either one of you. The first part of this question is, is there room to talk about political issues? Second part of the question, is it okay to talk about political candidates for or against political candidates in the church? Either one of you, go for it. Troy's looking at me like, Chris, answer the hard <laughs> He's like, question, You jump please. on that hand grenade. Um, most certainly. Um, so I think one of the easiest ways that we can take a look at this is from two perspectives, is we live in the United States of America, and for better or worse, there are laws actually around what um, pastors can say up here to you in terms of our tax status. Uh, the IRS actually tells us a certain amount of stuff, so there's literally a code and a law out there that tells us what we can and can't do. But what that code really talks about is we're not supposed to be up here campaigning. We're not supposed to technically be putting individuals in front of you and saying that XYZ candidate has absolutely the correct thing, so you should go on Sunday and Tuesday and pull the lever for the absolute correct candidate that we have placed before you. The issues, however, if we're not talking about culture and issues, I think we're actually missing the entire point because the gospel actually sits there and explains that. And then we even have biblical realities where Paul says we're supposed to be living. We're not of that culture, but we are in it. So if we're not talking about the culture we're surrounded about and the impacts of the gospel, why am I here? Troy, can you talk about candidates? Can we talk about issues? Should we talk about candidates or issues? From the stage. I believe you should talk about the issues, not so much the candidates. Okay. Um, because the issues are something that affect each and every one of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion. As far as the candidates are concerned, that's when you get into murky waters and when you start talking about candidates in, in and of themselves. But the issues that are concerned, each community has different issues going on in their area. So the area that we're in, well, a city, another city within Georgia may not be going through the same issues that we're going through in Columbus. So they're going to be addressing their candidates accordingly. So we have to talk about issues and then from that allow the people that are in the congregation, give them information as far as how to vote, where to vote, stuff like that. But as far as saying, hey, you need to go down this road instead of that one, no. Yeah, so if you're sitting there asking yourself the question, well, can I talk about it in my life group? I, I, the IRS determines a little bit what we can and cannot say from the stage, but is it okay to talk about it from my life group? Well, there's some biblical evidence here. First Timothy, it's right there on the screen, it's chapter two. First of all, then I urge, this is, a, this is a challenge to Christians, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. And then look at this. For kings and all those in authority, which means if you're in a country with a prime minister, you should be praying for them. If you're in a country with a president, you should be praying for them, even if they're not from your political party. 
And here's why you should be praying for them. Look at what it says next. So that we may live a tranquil and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now listen to what this says after that. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't have time to unpack all of this. There's lots of other scriptures that you could look at. But the Bible is challenging us. Go to bed tonight and pray for your leaders because they have a huge influence over the kind of lifestyle that you're allowed to live and even over the freedom to advance the gospel in your community or in your country. When we got some questions, um, I got a couple of questions that were really, really challenging questions. They actually came from one of the most astute minds that I know literally on politics today. They, a couple of them came from my son. And they, um, one of the questions asked this, what about choosing political sides? Here's the question. Look, how do I choose a political party when my Christian beliefs tell me that I should view a certain way sanctity of life and sexual ethics that we talked about last week and it looks like one party is very strong on this stand on these issues and then the other party is very strong on the treatment of elderly and the poor and immigrants and others like the James passage that says your religion requires you to take care of widows and elderly and the alien how do I choose a political party when one of them seems very strong in one area and totally weak in the other and the other one seems very strong in the opposite and totally weak. But the Bible is challenging us to do both. Guys? Oh, I'm doing this. Uh, we're going to rip this Band-Aid off right now. All right, let's do you it. You don't. <laughs> I'm going to make this as simple as possible. We are called to be citizens of heaven, the kingdom and for Christ. When we are faced with a dichotomy that is created by our culture and by those around us, that, that's not of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, it's the reality of the culture that we live in, but we are actually called to do the hard thing. And I think Charles Spurgeon says one of my favorite things on this topic, which is when faced with two evils, you select neither. There's no such thing as a lesser evil in the economy of God. There's no such thing as risk management in the economy of God because we know what the reality of who God calls us to be is. And yeah, guess what? It's unattainable. It's really hard. But that means when we're faced with people that tell us, oh, it's a two-party system, you're throwing your vote away. If the Christian in America is supposedly one of the largest voting blocks in the country, are we voting our, throwing our vote away if we were all to actually vote our conscience and vote Christ? Now I'm getting right up against that line where the IRS is going to call. Um, but think of that reality of we keep being told by a culture, you have to select left or right. When the king tells us, no, we're actually supposed to choose what is right and righteous in the eyes of the Lord. And if there are millions of us, imagine what we could change if we actually did that. Yeah, very well said, Troy. You want to add some thoughts here? The nightly news is saying pick a team either yep. on the left or on the right side of the aisle. You've got to pick a team. But the scriptures are saying you're supposed to vote in such a way that honors the king of kings. How do I do this? We have to come to realize that God doesn't ride on the backs of donkeys and elephants. Oh, he just said that, man. You need to put that on social media. <laughs> Say that again. 
we have to realize that God don't ride on the backs of donkeys and elephants. Y yes, he did ride on the back of a, don on but the back not of that a donkey, kind of donkey, but that's not exactly. the point. Not that that's proof texting, and you all know better. And if we are looking to Christianize America, it's never going to happen. Because people have free will, and they're going to choose. Some people are just going to choose not to follow Christ. And if you were to try to make America, you can make it, try to make it as Christian as you possibly can. But if you're looking at it in its totality and you're looking for your leaders, political leaders, to change the world, you're looking in the wrong place. Wow. You need to look more at the Bible. For me, I listen to what the candidates are saying, and I make a vote. Whether they win or not, I'm like, okay, my candidate didn't win, or my candidate went, my life goes on. It doesn't change either way. I never woke up the next morning, and my life changed drastically because the candidate I voted for won. And when they lose, same thing happens. But what we have to maintain is that God is still on the throne. Amen. We can't replace Amen. Christ with a politician to change our situation. We have to do what we can, the best we can, while we can, as long as we can, in the community that we find ourselves in, and not look to, to them to make a change. And when you are consumed day after day after day with news, and and that is influencing your thought process, and you're not sharing the gospel, you're talking more about politics, and you are talking about Christ, then you need to take a step back and like, hey, I'm, I'm, I think I'm in too deep. All right, I'm, I'm about to make a statement. I don't know that I've ever said this publicly before. I don't, I have never been a part of either political party. Um, but I, I typically vote my conscience before God, and 20 years ago, something happened that scarred me forever. I'm just going to tell you the story. Now, I've had the opportunity to open statewide congressional sessions. I've had the opportunity to be part of the U.S. Congress and open a congressional session. And on a couple of occasions, I've been invited into the back room during the planning for those parties what they would call a whip meeting. If you're not familiar with that term, it's where they make strategy on how they're gonna handle the issues that are coming up in the nightly news. I sat in a whip meeting for an hour, and I think the people in the room thought that I voted for their party, but I don't. And I kept my mouth shut, true story. Not once in that entire hour did the good of the people, the good of the country, ever come up in that meeting. For the entire meeting, from start to finish, it was only, how do we beat the other guys? And we don't care what it does to the people, and we don't care what it does to the country. We just want to beat the other team. And that's the moment that I gave up any hope that one political party had a better approach to leading the country than the other. And in my heart, I want to just ignore the candidates completely because I've lost all hope in the system, the two-party system. But in my heart, I also want to just step away from the issues. And guys, I came across uh, an article with some very definitive research. This comes from Harvard Business School. They interviewed 4,000 executives from every industry on the planet. Executives that are now being pushed to make social and political statements as an office uh, or as a leader of their company and look 25 years ago that was 
career suicide because you were alienating part of your clientele. And here's what the research said. In every single case, all 4,000 of these executives that they surveyed, the research said, if you don't speak to the issue, if you don't speak to it fast, and if you don't speak to it very, very vocally, people don't trust you anymore. You don't, in other words, the article was saying, you don't get the option not to speak to issues. And there are some issues, this is for both of you guys, that are directly related to our faith, but there are some political issues that are just highly controversial, but there's not really a big biblical or theological underpinning to it. Do I have to stand up and speak to those issues on a Sunday morning? Should I? Should we stand up and speak to those issues? Because there are definitely people in the church that are going to criticize if you do and criticize if you don't. The more tangential issues, do we talk about them every Sunday or should we talk about them on Sunday? I think the news cycle that we're faced with, whether we choose to view it or whether we happen to pass, and pass by it, influences our reality, right? That news cycle is 24-7, social media tells us whether we wanted to pay attention or not. Um, and I think it's important, again, like I said, you know, Paul reminds us that we do live in a culture. And so being aware of that culture, I think, is extremely important. But that doesn't mean that we got to set up a tent and live there for an entire sermon some weeks. Something, sometimes I think it's absolutely valuable to be like, yes, this did happen. Let's take a look what the scripture tells us about that. Either it's a beat or it is the Sunday, but we live in scripture, not in the cultural okay. reality. And just to add to what Chris said, what are we called to as, as believers? We call to be salt and light. <laughs> we are called to influence culture, not Drop let culture mic. influence us. How, now, how do we do that? We outline, just like Chris said, you go back to the word, and we say, hey, these are the things that we as a church body believe in. So when you fall in line with these things, we consider you voting for your candidate or considering not speaking from the pulpit, but these are the issues that the church, based on the, on the Bible, are going to stand behind. If your party is not going to do this, your candidate is not going to do these things, then, then you just answered our question for us. And if it doesn't come up on Sunday morning, it's going to come up at your life group. Yeah. Um, so that's why it, we're having this discussion. Today. Right. So if you're not looking for us to answer that question on Sunday, your group is probably showing up on group day going, did you see? But also with that, we have to be able to sit on the aisles in the pews with people who don't agree with us as well and not judge them because they don't see the issues the way we see them. So we have to have um, compassion. Um, for those that, that don't believe what we believe and then do the things that we do as well. And now we're starting to get to where it get, becomes a lot more gray. Okay, there's some things that the scriptures clearly talk about. There's some things that we are not permitted. But honestly, I don't care what the IRS says. I'm going to say what the Lord places on my heart to say. And if it, if it costs us our tax status, so be it. I'm just not going to stand up and tell you to vote for one candidate. Because I just, in my heart, can't, I'm not convinced that one party can lead us out of this mess. That but how, but at what point is, is, are we talking about it too much? Like, 
is there a balance here? And if there is a balance here, where is the balance? Because the heart of the president, the prime minister, or the king is important to us, right? We live in two cities. We got a foot in the here city and a foot in the heavenly city. And Proverbs 21 puts it this way. A king's heart is like channeled water. Listen to this. In the Lord's hands. He, the Lord, directs the king's heart wherever he chooses. So obviously, we care about how the, the king of kings influences our prime minister or our president or our king. So where's the balance here, guys? Oh, good. That's hard. Um, I think the answer is obvious. I think the practical reality ends up being less obvious. And that's, we should always be favoring scripture and the Lord 100%. Because we know in the created order, we were created to bring glory to God. Not glory to a political party, not glory to a news station, not glory to what have you. So that tells us that this is the core reality of what is idolatry. If something is more important to you than the Lord, that is an idol. That can be money. That can be... For us as pastors, it can be the ministry itself, yeah, which is a yeah. different sermon, but it's absolutely a reality that the dangers of where all of our attention, all of our time goes matters. So if all of us are doing nothing but talking about the news cycle, talking about the XYZ politician or X news station, we're not bringing glory to God. We're not discussing the realities of who Christ is. We're not discussing what Christ has done in our lives. So like I said, this is real, that sounds really easy, doesn't it? But then we go to work, yeah, and, and we go surrounded by other people or even our friends, and what do we talk nonstop about? So I think that struggle is, is reality. And I'm standing before you with two of my brothers that are about to tell you the same thing of, this is hard. And it's okay that it's hard, but I think the reality of it is, as life group leaders, as members of the church, we have some control over that. So we should be mindful of how much time we spend on stuff. It's important to talk about our culture around us, but we need to always be grounding it back where it belongs for us. You've got a witness here. Troy? Just put the information out there. You, we, from, uh, for us, preach the gospel and let God's word come into the hearts and minds of the people and then go from there because we really can't change anyone. That's the job of God through the Holy Spirit um, to do that through Christ, all things are possible. And for me, as I'm sitting here, a lot of things going through my mind, and one of them is going through the people of Israel when they were going through the King Davids and the Solomons and things like of that nature. Um, but a lot of us remember all the bad kings, but it was 300 years of good kings and 100 mm -hmm. years of the bad kings. But if you were to look at the people of Israel, you remember a lot of what the bad kings did. And they had to go through those time periods of the trials of those bad leaders, and they survived, and then God would bless them, and so on and so forth. But for me, just to piggyback on what Chris said, once we preach the gospel and lay the foundation of Christ on the hearts and minds of the people, and then allow them to decide from there. All right, guys, it's going, it's going from hot to hotter now. Air quotes, shouldn't the government of a Christian nation, and I'm glad you put whoever sent this question and put the Christian nation in quotes because you would have a lot of argument about whether or not 
this nation or another nation is a supposedly Christian nation. But shouldn't the government of a Christian nation better reflect God's ethics and his morality than those post-Christian countries, especially as it regards to people that are marginalized and helpless and vulnerable? Like, shouldn't our government be doing a better job here if it's supposedly a Christian nation? Who decided that? that we are a Christian nation. I guess from the founding fathers, we were founded on that um, pillar. But as time grew on, um, we all can agree that we have moved away from the founding fathers' um, belief of this Christian nation. And as far as what the government is doing and what we're doing, again, I, I go back to what I said originally, we have to do what we can while we can, as long as we can. And if the government helps, they help. But if we are going to wait for them to help or to do anything before we do anything, then we're going to end up waiting a, a long time. Cool. I'll say the unpopular thing again, I suppose. Of If the reality of our founding was the creation of a Christian theological society, which means that it was solely based upon scripture and that we had created a theocracy and not a republic, then I would say, yes, absolutely, it should be more reflective of scripture, but we know that that is That's not, not the case. That's not what the founding fathers set out to do. Um, yeah. We ended up with a democratic representative republic, which means that we can vote any of you and any of us into office, which comes with all the baggage of those individuals, yeah. which means it's going to be different. So holding that expectation of something like that is, well, it's poorly founded because we're, we're, we're not a theocracy. If so, yes, then we should be holding them accountable as brothers and sisters of Christ, but that's not reality. Um, but quick bullet point that I think is important here is as a representative republic, that means that if you happen to be a Christian, a member of what, of a follower of Christ, and you go to run for office, then you absolutely should be the Christian that God called you yeah. to be. That I think that's one of the things that we're, we potentially miss in the conversation of, don't mishear from the last couple minutes of, this doesn't mean don't be involved, but it means if you are involved, there's a high bar to clear. Yeah. And that's not just to yourself, but also to the glory of God. Rapid fire, guys, um, on this subject, just taking it a step further, when is it that the government is doing the church's job and the church has just stepped back and gladly let the government do what the church was supposed to do all along? What kind of issues are definitely the church's job, but the government stepped in and started doing it, and we allowed the government to start doing it? I think one of the greatest examples that I've heard and, uh, you know, short version of this is, I was saved in a church just outside of Washington, D.C. Well, my wife and I worked for the federal government for 11 years, so I bathed in this every single yeah, day. Um, church, home, office, etc. Um, it's why I have no hair. Um, but <sighs> it's just, I, mm -hmm. When you're just surrounded by it so much, you lose track of all the things yeah. that are important. So you have to reground and reground quickly. Um, I think I've lost where I'm going because. Of the well, I will say any issue that that 
displays the image of God in the human that that reminds society as a large how valuable a human soul is. Yes. That's the church's job. And when the church steps back and lets the government do that, of course the government's going to jack this up. And the church has allowed the government to jack it up be because the, the government is now doing what Jesus left his church on planet Earth to do. I could spend an hour on this one, but I'm not yep. going to. I, I, found, I found my lost thread. Go for it. Um, the example that was always given is early um, 19th uh, 1900s is when we got social security, when we got initial welfare and everything, we saw a natural transition occurring in the country where the church is supposed to be for the widows and orphans and a social democratic government stepped in and said, we got you now, yeah, don't we'll worry about that. That. Um, that you can actually trace some of the research to where the church became less and less involved in their neighborhoods and in their other things when there was a transition of something to fill the vacuum. Which, is, which was very large social programs. And this isn't you know, saying that that's necessarily bad, but it is one of those things that we can look to our society and see a point where something that literally, pre-World War II, people would go to their pastor and their mm -hmm. church family for help that immediately transitioned to, the government's got this, I'll go stand in line and get what I need from there. Troy, real quickly. How does somebody who's a Christian respond when their government is now enacting laws that are definitely anti-biblical, anti-Christian? How am I supposed to support my government when it's enacting laws that, that um, virtually violate my faith? <laughs> That's a good question. I would say trust God through the, through the process because you're going to go through some turmoil, you go through some, some hard times until something change. Um, because that wheel, as Chris is alluding to, is it moves really slow as far as trickling down to help those that actually need the help. Um, in the meantime, for me, find a church uh, or organization that can fill in that gap mm -hmm. um, to get you the help you need um, in the meantime because yeah, because that you're just gonna go through that that period of time where nothing's gonna happen, or you're not gonna receive anything, and just find some other resources uh, through the church or through um, in your city, your town, that can help fill that gap. All right, guys, I was flying through this. Can we uh, rush on to number three? Because Chris, you've already brought it up. There's a point where it can become too much, and God has recreated human beings through the gospel, made what was dead in sin alive in Christ and made us new creatures, which means new heart, new hope, and new desires. So when does it start to become slipping back into the old habits? Like, when does it actually become idolatry? And Chris, you set us up for this well just a moment ago. The Bible is very clear when something else has more of your heart than God, it now is an idol. Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke, to, spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God. Here's number one on the top ten and the biggest of all of them. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods. That also includes foreign idols and things that have your heart. Do not have other gods besides me. 
Don't make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heaven above or in the earth below or in the waters under the earth, or I'm going to add, and I'm not placing this in the Bible, but based on the conversation, your political party or your political candidate. When have we crossed the line and sent too many text messages, too many emails, had too many conversations, and this thing has become an idol to us? I'll tell a story a short personal story on this one um, from the context of if anything is outweighing those scales of talking of culture, politics, whatever to the realities of the kingdom, then you have strayed. It is that simple. And I personally was involved in some church organizations where I went to weekly meetings that are supposed to be focused entirely upon prayer. Nothing but pastors in the room. And for 18 months, Every single one of those meetings was about Donald Trump. Every single one. At 18 months, I stepped away and said, we are a group of people that claim to proclaim King Jesus in all that we do, and for 18 straight months, we talked about reelecting people, political politicians as individuals, and nothing of the gospel, orphans and widows in a community, and doing anything that even remotely looked like the kingdom. That's an easy example. And it's not to pat Pastor Chris on the head, but I disfellowshipped immediately after that. Because if you're curious what the call is as Christians, when you're faced with that, easy call as far as I'm concerned. That we have to focus on the things, and it's hard, right? Because this section of Exodus was literally Moses (laughs) went off to talk to God and Aaron was doing his thing. The the entire people showed up and went, God's not here. We need something to worship. Hook us up, brother. And he's like, cool, you guys got some gold? Calf sound good? Let's do this. And Moses came back and was like, I was gone for like five minutes, y'all. What are you doing? Um, So if you feel bad about being distracted by culture, just remember literally the entire Old Testament is Israel going, ooh, shiny literally the entire Old Testament. We are in good company. But it's that basic reminder of there are bad kings. We're going to live through bad times on this planet. And so, yeah, things can go too far. But also, again, don't be unengaged. This isn't a separate the two argument. But do know when you are living purely bathing in culture and not of the kingdom. And Troy, I'm going to ask it this way, and I'm just going to be as delicate, but also as um, uh, forthright as I can be. The statistics say, every research out there says somewhere between 60 and 70% of Christians in the church today have never shared their faith in Jesus Christ with one person, never presented the gospel and asked one person, are you ready to pray and become a Christian in their lifetime? But have thousands of conversations about the government. And at what point, Troy, and I want you to just be honest, does it look like Christians have placed more hope in the government than in the gospel to change a human heart? When we believe more in a political party to turn a sinner into a saint than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If these statistics are true, and every research says that that's what's happening. It's it's happening now. We see it every day. And for me, I see it from people that I know are Christians who are believers. And the stuff they post 
I'll just, I mean, almost like kill the other person from the other party post that they're going to that extreme um, on it. And it's, for me, it's shocking because it's a side of them that I never <laughs> witnessed or heard um, before and just trying to pull them back. Um, for me, I would say if you have a friend like that, just ask them the question, hey, let's talk about something else. Let's say, hey, have you met someone that's lost? Hey, you offered to pray for someone or something like that, just to shift the conversation to something else and just to kind of let them know that, hey, we, we kind of going in too deep or you going in too deep on this that we need to pull back uh, from it. Yeah, I'm going to place some next steps, the exact same things that you've heard the last couple of weeks on the screen. And one of those next steps, somebody may be watching this right now, and maybe there's a moment that the Holy Spirit just touched your heart and said, that's you. You've been hoping more in the government than in the gospel because you've never actually been changed by the gospel. And what you're hoping is that the government can change you and change your city. And if that's you, maybe the first thing on the screen is speaking to you. Maybe what you need to do is start that relationship with Jesus today. If you're now in going deep with other people and you want other people to be part of that relationship with Christ, or you want other people to get deep in a relationship with you, there's the last item on the screens. It's going to be really easy to hide behind the latest news headline instead of getting into the deep issues of what's going on in somebody's soul. So don't settle for facts. Don't settle for shallow relationships when God has called you to be deep with other brothers and sisters. And honestly, there are still scores of people from Two Cities Church that are not connected deep with somebody else. And so this isn't where you live right now because you're not really in a group. I'm going to pray for us. Because God knows we all need prayer on this issue because we're being pulled by society to care more about the government than about the gospel. So can you just bow your heads and would you let me pray for us? We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.